You're listening to the Creating Your Own Path podcast, episode number 51. Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and as always, you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast app. You can also catch a new episode each week at creatingyourownpath.com. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you all know that I'm taking another quick break from the show as I get ready to head out on the next CYOP road trip. I had originally planned to have episodes recorded and ready to go for the entire month of August, but as many of you know, I'm a one-woman team, and sometimes I have to stop producing content long enough so that I can plan for it. I'm putting about 90% of my freelance work and consulting aside to take this trip, and the last few weeks have been pretty busy as I wrap everything up. So there will not be shows waiting for you over the next two weeks, but I highly recommend diving into the archives to get you through. This next trip is going to contain a lot of firsts for me. This is the first time I'll be leaving my home base for longer than a few weeks at a time. It's also the first time my husband and I will be away from each other for this length of time, and it's my first time road tripping across the country on my own. Planning this trip has also been an exercise in letting go of control. Many of my stops are still somewhat up in the air. I'm still confirming interviews and making plans, so my goal is to have the first round of road trip episodes ready for you starting September 3rd. That said, if anything changes, you all will be the first to know. All right, so before we get bogged down with road trip talk, let's get to today's show. I recently sat down with Rosara Uningst here in Sacramento, California, to chat about her calligraphy and illustration work. It's beautiful. She's an incredibly talented artist, and though her work is tied mostly to the wedding industry, she also teaches workshops and is involved in several really fun collaborations. In the episode, we talk about why those collaborations are so important to her, how her experiences with art therapy have informed the way she approaches not only her client work, but also her approach to teaching others, and how she's embraced technology to stay organized, build her business, and cultivate relationships. I can't think of a better way to wrap up my Sacramento shows before heading out across the country. So let's get to Rosara. Hi, Rosara. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty well. Good. Um, thank you for letting me come to your studio in beautiful Midtown Sacramento. Anytime. I appreciate it. So your illustration and calligraphy work mm. is very impressive. I'm curious, did you go to school for design and illustration or are you more self-taught? Um, I'm a mixture of both. So I took classes all through high school and in community college I definitely took like figure drawing and sculpture classes and I kind of took classes in everything but painting and illustration. Okay. Which is kind of strange because I wanted to learn things that I kind of, that were more foreign to me. Um, but I didn't go to art school. I was an American Studies major at UC Santa Cruz. I just kind of wanted to push myself in areas that kind of were not my strongest suits. And so um, I kind of chose to push myself academically instead and kind of feel like I was proving something to myself and challenging myself in new ways. And I still sure. ended up taking a bunch of classes that were design-related. Um, so I was taking theater design and costume construction and design and... So I still ended up taking things that I'm like passionate about that's in some weird way kind of still influence everything that I do, but I didn't go to art school. So a lot of it's self-taught, but we live in an age where there's never been a better time to be a self-taught artist. So I'm really glad I listened to my gut and didn't like lay down all the money that I was thinking about laying down for art school because it's very expensive. So. It is. I've heard that. Yeah. Um, to be that specialized. Which is why I went to community college. Like I was all signed up, ready to go, and just could not pull the trigger on the loans and stuff. Yeah. I was signing my name too. And right. So I was like, okay, well, maybe one year of community college, maybe two. Okay, now I can transfer to a university. Like maybe I'm just not <laughs> gonna hand over that much money for art school. Right. Well, the self-taught uh, direction seems to be working for you really well. Yeah. So, can you yeah. talk a little bit about your career path? So, you know, you said American Studies, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you get to here? Like, when did you? <laughs> what was that progression like from, you know, graduating, let's say, um, and taking all of those classes to where you are today? Yeah. How did that come about? So I've known I wanted to be a working artist since elementary school, like all of the little things where they ask you, you know, what do you want to do? It was always like, I want to be a 
background artist for Disney. That was like my dream was to okay. be like the background painter for Disney. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, when we had, you know, um, art colleges come to our art classes in high school, I was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing that and that's what my life's going to be. I didn't know what, but illustration was actually the first out of all of the different types of professional artists that you could be. It was always one that I was kind of drawn to. Um, so I had a very roundabout way of coming back to that. <laughs> but um, in high school, I started selling murals and oh, wow. paintings. And so that paid for my travels when I was in high school um, during the summer and, you know, with my grandparents to Europe and all my spending money and stuff came from money I was making painting murals in people's houses. Um, and then when I was in community college, I started at Trader Joe's doing sign art. So that was like uh, my first okay. gig outside of just my own, you know, soliciting people sure. for painting money. Yeah. Um, and so I did that and then I finished up school um, and I was a caregiver for a bit just because, mm -hmm. like, I needed a job. And I graduated in 2009. So not the best economy right. to be an artist right. or anybody, basically. Yeah, it was not a good time to be a, <laughs> a human a being. Year. Yeah. yeah um, and so my now husband at the time, he was my boyfriend, but he still had a year at UC Santa Cruz. And so I became a caregiver. And uh, I actually brought painting supplies and canvases and... I worked with a woman who had cerebral palsy and Alzheimer's and would come in and I was there probably about 60 hours a week. Oh, wow. Um, but I would bring in all my painting stuff and we'd paint together and we painted a big mural in her house and she could barely like hold a spoon to her mouth and was painting. So I was really, really enthralled with the idea of being an art therapist. I was going to say, it's really healing. And it was always like my therapeutic activity and what kept me sane. Um, so that was kind of the first time I shared it with somebody else and saw that happen. Then when we moved back up here, my husband went to grad school at UC Davis. And okay. um, I had my own Etsy shops. In, I started my first one in 2009 Okay. while I was a caregiver. Um, and so basically... I had opened my first one in 2009. I had ha already had a second Etsy shop that was a oh, little bit more okay. branded and specific. Um, Cameo Land was my second one. Um, and it was actually making an, an amount of money. Not enough to like sustain yeah. me, but I had saved up enough money to kind of do that for a while. And then I needed insurance. So I went back to Trader Joe's being a sign artist um, and did that for another two years while I was running my... Etsy shop and starting my, had my portrait caricature company. Okay. Um, I was picking up all of these things that I know now that have helped me launch pigment and parchment along the way because okay. I've already had two other Etsy shops that, you know, I've learned a lot of different lessons and with Trader Joe's, I was running the sign department. So I learned a lot about like time management, project management mm -hmm. and, you know, done is better than perfect. There's a client, there's a deadline type of mentality, right. which my business wouldn't run without that. You know, you can't be too precious if there's a wedding next weekend. Right. Um, right. Basically, all of these things indirectly have led me to where I am. I didn't know it at the time. I always felt like I was floundering and just like yeah. aimlessly like moving from one different project to the next, but they all totally have definitely led to where I am now. Okay. Well, when I was just thinking like, who knew that sign artist was even a, a job? Yeah, like I didn't know that don't. was a job. <laughs> yeah. At any Trader Joe's, there's most likely like three people working in a tiny cubby in the back of the warehouse. That's always they just call doing sign caves normally because they literally are tiny little sections mm -hmm. in between wine boxes and like peanuts and stuff <laughs> where people are making all of the signs that you see at Trader Joe's. Wow. So. I had no idea. I mean, yeah. I guess somebody has to do it. Yep. All the little is. ones and all the big, huge chalkboard signs. And, right. Yep. That must have been really fun. It was fun. It definitely, I mean, I was paid to practice and learn for right. years. So, right. you know. That's really valuable. Supplies basically are paid for, which is awesome. Right, and right. Pay me in supplies and practice time. Yeah. So, so, so now do you, um, it's all pigment and parchment, right? Yeah. That's the. 100% okay. of what I do. All right. So let's talk about your design process with your company now, mm -hmm. um, because I'm sure it's different for each client or project. So do you have a certain way that you approach your work with clients? How, what's Absolutely. your process? Yeah. A lot of the kind of work of learning from, you know, my first shop in 2009 or even back murals in high school, but 
standardizing the process and kind of taking the reins and owning it versus letting the client kind of dictate what's going to go on mm. has been a huge shift in like a company actually functioning because for so long you have this mentality as an artist of like be grateful for any job you can get do whatever they want do it 15 times even if they're paying you ten dollars type of a mentality right and so breaking that kind of starving artist myth of just like be grateful for any penny you can get and really kind of making standards like your business because you are a business mm -hmm. and owning that and kind of making that shift and taking that power back for yourself. And it doesn't mean bully around clients, but a lot of the times once they see these things that are standardized operations, it takes some of the knowing what to do off of them. Right. Because and a lot of people come to you yeah, and probably don't know right. what questions to ask. Or... Right. So I, you know, after years of kind of being too timid with clients and like kind of being a doormat, um, have most of the responses kind of like they respect you more because you're kind of taking the reins. Um, and I've done enough custom orders that it's like, I know how this kind of should work because I do this all the time. And for the most part, all my clients, it's the first time they've commissioned artwork. Right. So, right. you know, why should they know how to do that process? Um, so yeah, standardize, standardizing all of that has been a huge, huge help with making it into more of a business and not just a hobby. And so do you have like intake <clears throat> forms or how does that Absolutely. work? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, Questionnaires. I, Google or... Forms is a godsend. Okay. <laughs> I learned how to use Google Forms, Google Sheets, and all of those things that, you know, before might have made my brain cringe because I'm not the most technology savvy. Mm -hmm. um, but I've forced myself to learn to be because, you know, we are what we tell it, ourselves that we are. And sure. so it's just like, no, we're going to change that, you know, yeah. narrative. And so... Um, yeah, there's forms, there's like a protocol sheet, because eventually if I hire somebody, I need to have standard operations for them to kind of be able to come in and, right. you know, take in a new client and book them and do all the things and then hand them over when they're ready to actually paint or something. Um, right. So standardizing that has been a big project this year, but one that definitely kind of keeps me in check and keeps things moving a lot smoother than just all an email right? <laughs> where I'm sifting through thousands of emails and trying to find, you know, what did your menu say again? Like, right. nope, everything's in Google Forms and I have it all printed out and I've got my order binder and they have their little tab and I've got, you know, the thing in front that has all the due dates so I know who to work on first and not mm -hmm. just which one I'm most excited about. <laughs> right. Um, Whatever you feel like that day or, yeah. yeah. Basically keeping me from being my own worst enemy and right. <laughs> putting off ones that I'm less excited about or something like that, that, you know, things that I might've done in the past that are right. not how you run a business if you're trying to. Right. And that is so common. <clears throat> I find myself doing that all the time. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes the projects I want to work on are not the ones that pay me the most, you yeah. know, so because yeah. they're the most fun and yeah. exciting or. And they want to do those all day. And they're pretty. And, and yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> so I completely can relate to that. Um. I'm sure a lot of other people can too. So I want to transition just a little bit um, because you talked about technology and <laughs> we are so tethered to technology all the time, but what you do is handmade. Yeah. It is pen to paper or paint to paper or whatever yeah, it is, cool. um, <laughs> all of the above. And so how does disconnecting help you feel more connected to your craft? It's interesting. I kind of have two answers. So for years and years and years, I was a total purist. I never wanted to learn art where the computer was concerned. I wanted them to be completely separate from each other. And I was just like, no, like we cannot let these, you know, artisanal practices die. I'm never going to use a computer. And to an extent, that's what kept me practicing and doing the things that I now know how to do so well, because I was just so like anti-computer arts for a long time. Mm -hmm. For myself, not for other people making computer art, obviously. Like, it wasn't like I hated any artwork made by a computer. But for my own practices, I was just like, absolutely not. And for a time, that worked for me, and that was great. And now I'm kind of learning to embrace it and see what the power of those two things combined can do. Mm. Um, because it, it just exponentially opens this whole new world up. I mean, my business wouldn't run if it weren't for, you know, the magical internet. For me now, I feel like my business has exploded because of connecting on the internet. Mm, so it's kind of the opposite. It's not, okay. not 
it's disconnecting in the sense of, you know, unplugging from technology allows you the space to actually make something with your hands, sure, but the power of connecting because of technology, not only have I found my clients and, you know, built a company because of what I've been able to do online, but my passion for what I do physically with my hands, with my art supplies, has grown exponentially because I found other people who are just as passionate about it, who I can learn from, who learn from me, who otherwise I never would have met because they live in Kansas. Right. And I would never have met somebody who's just as passionate about a specific, you know, water-filled brush. Right. <laughs> I would never have met her, you know, 20 years ago. Right. And so I feel like that those connections that I'm constantly making with other people have just amplified my love of art my love of all the supplies and the practices and the ways of making have just grown so much because of technology. So it's kind of the opposite experience. Okay. Well, and I like that you said that because it goes hand in hand because you do have to disconnect to actually make your art. Right. You have to actually spend time, right. like I said, pen and paper or yeah. whatever. Um, but they they do go hand in hand yeah. now. So for finding that space where they business, can coexist yeah. and not... Not having technology trample the artwork or artwork take over where I'm not connecting anymore with other people Mm. and finding that balance between the two has been like the magic spot. I mean, there's no perfect balance, of course. There's no perfection in anything. But kind of letting those two things coexist and letting the good from both of them Mm -hmm. amplify the other. I like that. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And um, I actually was very impressed with one tool that you use so that technology does not take over, mm-hmm. and that is your email autoresponder, which I think <laughs> is genius. And anybody who's listening who wants to email me, I may be instituting one myself <laughs> soon because um, the inbox is crazy. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Not oh just God. from potential clients, but like people who just want to say hi, yeah. which is awesome. And I want yeah. to say hi back, but it's really hard to, to do all the things. And it's partly because so people can connect with us in so many ways. Yeah. So we get emails and then it's on Instagram and then they're on the Facebook and the Twitter and all the things. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, I can't manage all the things. <laughs> and so, um, it's and, a Portlandia episode of like getting all the different technologies at one time. And, yes. It's life now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. so my question for you with that is, um, what made you decide to do that with email and how's it going? Oh my God. I, it was in response to being like, I have 90 emails and I've got this whole guilt cycle of feeling terrible because I'm not responding to everybody in what I find to be a timely manner, Mm -hmm. but I also need to be a human and I also have work I need to get done. So I can't have, I can't do everything and I'm one person. My business is one person. Um, so it was, you know, necessity the mother of invention. It was just like, I can't keep up with email and I would get even more emails because I wasn't responding in a day. And now we're so impatient as a society as a whole. Not that I'm excluded from that. We all are impatient now where it's like, I haven't heard from you and it's been like 48 hours and it's just like, Oh my God. Right. There are things outside of the internet. Um, and so Basically, I was getting even more emails because people were checking on their first emails and then, Mm -hmm. you know, not hearing back from me in two days or three days or whatever. Um, And so I just, after, I think it was after a mastermind, I have a mastermind group in Sacramento Mm -hmm. that I kind of have curated and we all get together and bounce ideas off of each other. And I was telling them like how guilty I feel because I'm not answering fast enough, but also if I'm only on email... I could spend my whole life being my business as secretary if I let myself. Right. And so I have to actually produce the things and do other parts of my life. Right. <laughs> and so they suggested doing that, and it has just been, like, a huge, huge shift. And um, a friend of mine, Karen, had sent me somebody that she had seen mm-hmm. who was a poet who, you know, had written this a little bit more lengthy than mine, but had written this, you know, essentially a poem mm-hmm. to people saying, you know, in order to be the bohemian you want me to be, right. <laughs> who's out there making art for the world to make it a prettier place, I can't also be a customer service representative 24-7 at your disposal. Right. So if you want me to be what you want me to be, you have to, like, 
Let me. Let me mm-hmm. go run in a field and pick daisies, and I'll get to your email as soon as I can. Right. You know, and I read that, and I was just like, oh, my God, yes, because, I mean, I'm a gypsy. I'm a, you know, yeah. bohemian, and I want to just throw the computer out the window half the time. Right. Um, and so I had been denying myself that, you know, hippie at heart part of myself for so long because it was... There's all the things. You have and to do all the things if you don't want to fail. And, and the all guilt the pressure and, the... and all the guilt and all the things. Mm-hmm. And so um, having that now go automatically to people where it's like, these are the times I answer email. Monday is my admin day. The rest of the days of the week, I check it for one hour a day. Mm-hmm. Please be patient because I'm off honing in my craft and mm-hmm. making the art that you want me to make. So, like, thank you so much for understanding I'm a one-person business. Mm-hmm. Um, people's response have been amazing. And, like, you know, I was worried when I first did it because you don't know what people are going to Oh, I was respond. impressed when I got it. And I was like, yeah, girl. people <laughs> actually, like, responded really well mm-hmm. to it and understanding and, like, mm-hmm. appreciative. And, and they got a, a response knowing that I got the email. Right. Um, and so it's been so empowering. And it's taken the guilt out of email, which is so bizarre of a concept that we even have, like, this whole guilt cycle over email. It's right. very bizarre. But... That's where we are as a society because that's the main way we all get in contact with each other. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Okay. Because now in. it's like when I have the brain capacity, mm-hmm. I devote it. And when I don't, I'm not like always checking it on my phone like I right. used to and needing to check it first thing in the morning, last thing at night, all that that used to happen. Right. It's just. Well, yeah. and I've heard a lot of discussions about email in particular and how you probably shouldn't check it. If you can't actually respond. Yeah. Because what's the point? Yeah. Then you just have all that information in your head. Yeah. And you're like trying to go to bed. Or or you respond in a way that's not even the best because you're trying to type from a phone under a cover at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, that's probably not your most professional tone. Right. That you used or whatever. You're probably like not using your full brain. Right. So why are you doing it? Right. (laughs) Like who are you helping And it seems so obvious, but I think we we forget because we're so connected. So I'm glad you you brought that up because I... I do, um, I appreciate both sides of your business, both the tech <laughs> side and the art side. So, so I'm glad you, you mentioned that. So let's talk about the industry you work with in because it's mostly the wedding industry, right? Mm-hmm. So do you take on other fun projects that are outside of the wedding industry and how do those projects come about? Um, people email me okay. and I get not a responder <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I get back to them in a week. Right. Um, no, people email me all the time with ideas and other collaborations, um, and I actually now have a Google form for collaborations that has common questions I would have to ask them so that they can fill in all the blanks and get me all the information in a form rather than 50 emails back and forth. Right. So again, Google Forms, I'm not being paid by Google. They've changed my life. I love them. But yeah, I've kind of standardized like how people basically get that information to me for collaborations, but people just ask or I ask I see find what they do I meet them in workshops or you know meetups or whatever and talk to them yeah I mean there's people who oh I've got a food blog and you know would you illustrate a menu or or, um, a recipe and Mm -hmm. I'm like yes do you have an ice cream one because that's my favorite thing ever and they're like (laughs) actually here's my ice cream recipe and then I paint one and they put it on their blog and so like most of the time it's kind of like spontaneous okay and just kind of by connecting with people again. Sure. A lot of it happens over Instagram. Little comments that are actually thoughtful and not just like a dancing girl emoji. Not that I don't love a dancing girl emoji. <laughs> I know. Because I love them too. But, you know, people who are actually communicating and reaching out. Right. Um, or that I'm doing that too. Yeah. That's where a lot of... Instagram. Random, random cool. things kind of happen. Um, and other projects too. So like Fresh Bash this last year. Mm-hmm. It still was running related, but... It was definitely not, like, my traditional project. Mm -hmm. Um, And murals and other, you know, I just did a mural at TEDx live throughout the whole thing. So for eight hours I was, like, doing a mural while people were talking and I was pulling quotes from the speakers because my friend works, she's one of the volunteers for TEDx. So making connections with people. Yeah, yeah. And kind of being involved in the community. That's fun, though. The biggest shift in my business and my life in the past, like, two years, okay. and just kind of being involved, yeah, and letting it kind of go from there, I guess. Sure. Yeah. No, I like that. I like, the, I mean, the stuff you do for weddings is 
stunning and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm always interested to see like those little side projects yeah. that might turn into something else. You yeah. never know. No, and so. I need things outside of the wedding industry to keep me sane. <laughs> yeah. Well, weddings <laughs> are little a, projects that kind of have, it's something different. Right. You know? I mean, and that's with anything. If I was just doing logos 24 seven, I would want something outside of just logos right. to keep me sane. So that kind of goes back to like the being a dabbler. I get bored once I feel like I've done something already, mm, okay. which is why I don't offer edits with most of my work. It's I I am really impatient in that way. Okay. Um, and I resisted it for a long time, and now I'm like, you know what? It's who I am. It's why right. I probably won't be illustrating a lot of books soon because I I don't like redoing yeah. my work. I'd rather start a new project and use what I learned from maybe not doing the best one there mm -hmm. into the next project. I'm very kind of like, let's evolve, but let's do it with new projects. Right. I can't, I'm not a perfectionist in that way with my art. Yeah. It's, it's not my happy place. I, <laughs> it doesn't bring out the happy part of me. I understand completely. Like yeah. you said, what, what did you say? Um, done is better than perfect. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. I, I can feel you on that one. So recently, well, and I don't know how recent it is, but um, I noticed recently that you're doing a lot of workshops. Yes. And teaching classes, um, and we've joked in the past about how terrible my handwriting is, and how much I should probably take one of your courses. And it was just made very evident by my 100-day project, where I <laughs> I was handwriting um, questions on Instagram, and um, everybody got to see how bad it was. But anyway, what made you want to start teaching workshops? What kind of drove that for you and your business? I think. Part of it, I mean, I can go back really far, and I've always been, like, trying to get any friends and family that I could wrangle to do a craft project or to do art projects with me, mm -hmm. um, much to their chagrin sometimes, but, you know, and I think when I first really started getting serious about um, wanting to do this, I had done the kind of, like, very grassroots version of art therapy when I was a caregiver, mm -hmm. um, and then... In 2013, yeah, doing calendar work in my head. That's okay. In 2013, um, I had taken a leave of absence from Trader Joe's and personal stuff had come up. I had binge eating disorder, took my personal leave because being around food art 24-7 and right. living in a warehouse of food and mm -hmm. diet mentality crap and all the stuff. health tips for being a better person and all that kind of stuff 24-7 mm -hmm. was just like not where I needed to be. Um, and so I went to an outpatient clinic mm -hmm. and like quit life and really just dedicated myself to getting better and figuring out what was going on. Um, and one of the aspects of it was art therapy, okay. which I really, really loved because that mm -hmm. was the first time I had seen more traditional art therapy being practiced. Um, and I've always kind of been a person people talk to about a lot of things mm -hmm. and go to for advice and... I talk about all the things all the time with people <clears throat> and kind of go there in an emotional way. Um, sensitive artist. Yeah. Well, it happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so when I was there, I kind of, even within that community, had a lot of people who were also patients who kind of were going to me with like... I still kind of was that type of a person mm -hmm. even within this community, even sure. though there were therapists there. Mm -hmm. um, and during, like, the art therapy sessions, I was really kind of watching what they were doing and mm -hmm. helping people, even though I was also a patient. So it's kind of weird if you think about it. But I left and had multiple therapists who were just like, you need to be doing this for a living. Wow. Like, this is, you could totally do this, blah, blah. Like, you should be an art therapist. And I considered it for a long time, like, do I want to go to grad school? And for, right. like, do I want to start, like, how many years? Because it's not even like I had a psychology or a social work major. Right. I, American studies. Like, hi. Let me let me just go. Yeah. yeah so, it's a whole new degree. Yeah. So. I was like, do I want to be in school for, like, 10 years doing basically, you know, all that I would need to do? Right. And then to go work in a clinical setting where I was dealing with insurance companies all the time. And I looked hard at that question. I've got mm -hmm. a lot of friends who are, you know, they're all therapists or they're social workers. I see what they do. And for me, I was like, that's not a healthy decision because I take that stuff home with me. Yeah. You know, I can't see somebody who I know is hurting and just be like, okay, well, I'm off the clock now. So I'm right. going to go home and practice self-care. Like, I know myself. I would, it wouldn't be a healthy environment for me to flourish. And so 
in an effort for like, let's think about our self care in this equation of yeah. what you want your life to yeah. be, and let's think about you know would that really be a good fit for your personality. Um, so I decided not to, and um, in the midst of all of the like going to an outpatient clinic mm-hmm. and quitting life for a bit to take care of myself or learn how to take care of myself. I was also planning my wedding oh. <laughs> in the midst of all that. And, okay. You know, let yeah, bring up thing. all the family stuff and all the, any emotional baggage you've had with any friend that has been under the rug, just weddings bring the best out of people and the worst out of people mm-hmm. and, and shine a spotlight to almost every relationship that you have yep. basically. And mm-hmm. so it was definitely like a year of just transformation in every which way you can kind of imagine. And, um, I did my own wedding stationery and I loved it. And I had been doing all these portraits and caricatures and they were getting stale and I wasn't feeling like I was getting to push myself in the way that I wanted to as an artist. Cause everybody wanted it to look the same exact way that it, what they saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I did my own wedding stationery, I was like, I get to do all the paintings the way I want to and the style can change for every wedding. I can keep evolving as an mm-hmm. artist without needing to be like, oh, I'm just ordering that one thing that you did right. three years ago that right. I still want you to do. Um, and so once the wedding was over and like we knew where we were going to be living because my husband was graduating grad school and applying for jobs at this time. Right. Again, a year of transformation across the board. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of things going on in 2013. But... Um, once we kind of got settled and I figured out that I wanted to be doing wedding stationery, um, I had a workshop and it started at an internship. I did a free one for the other interns. And then I was like, I'm interested in this. Let me do another free one for just friends that I had made in the industry who were photographers and event designers. And I just literally, they were in this room in the studio with a little workshop where I okay. just was trying it out and mm-hmm. seeing if I liked it. Um, and after doing a couple of free ones to kind of learn what a workshop even really is Mm -hmm. and how to do it, started charging for them and kind of let that take its course. And it was definitely a learning curve. Um, and Instagram probably was a big help in kind of pushing that, letting that build and letting Mm -hmm. the community around it build and, um, getting essentially more people involved in it rather mm-hmm. than just people that I know mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> who right. live within a mile of me. Right, right. Um, and so they've kind of just grown organically from that. Um, cause for me and everybody who takes it may not see it this way. Some of them might just be going cause they want to learn a new skill. And right. that's totally fine. They can go and just learn a new skill and go home. Mm-hmm. But for me, um, I definitely try to impart kind of what, I love about art therapy mm-hmm. into the workshops, mm-hmm. um, unbeknownst to the people who are signing up. For right. It. Um, and some people can really dig it and we go there and we can talk and it, sometimes workshops get really deep and people have shared really amazing things mm-hmm. and cried and stuff. Like I've had some workshops where, cause depending on the group, mm-hmm. some people can really go there and the group really goes there and sometimes they don't and that's totally fine. But I like that they kind of have the option to right. like talk about all the things. Let's talk about perfectionism and like letting go and being okay with it, not looking perfect right away or, you know, mm-hmm. enjoying the process and not worrying about the results because the process is therapeutic. And right. um, so I kind of, we, it's like a round table little mini group and by no means am I a therapist or anything, but right. I basically kind of facilitate conversations as we're learning these new skills well, and, and you're facilitating um, play. Yeah. I mean, people don't play yeah. anymore. So it's, yeah. I think it's really, at least, I don't play enough. <laughs> I don't do enough art anymore. Yeah. So, um, so I can definitely relate to the need for that. Yeah. Um, in that sometimes it's just nice to draw. Yeah. Even if it looks really bad or, yeah. you know. Well, and that was the thing that struck out to me most when I was doing the art therapy at this, uh, at the outpatient clinic, Mm -hmm. um, was that people were so like freaking out to even try because they were not an artist. They weren't good enough. It Mm -hmm. wasn't going to be pretty. It wasn't going to be perfect. So I'm not going to do it at all. Right. And I get it. And I get 
that the evil little people who live in our head can, like, ruin a good time. Yeah. So my thing is just, like, I want to break that down as much as I can. So that kind of has been my fuel in all of this, and I'm constantly just... If I can encourage people, I feel like that's the most meaningful thing I can do as an artist is sure. to encourage other people to make. Um, and so that feedback is always my favorite. Like, there's no piece of artwork that I could make that would be pretty enough to mean more than, like, sparking creativity in others. Right. And so that's kind of been where my workshops have gone and why I don't do advanced ones because I want it to be approachable for people who've never done it before. See, I like that. And I don't care. I tell them. And it's funny. People are always like, what? Because <laughs> right. I tell them in the workshop. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. Did mm -hmm. you have fun? Did you like what you made? Did right. you like making? I don't care how pretty or how Pinterest-worthy whatever you make or right. don't make is. And did you forget about your troubles for a little while? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. So it's a little bit different than most workshops. I like it. <laughs> and eventually, I mean, like, life goals, I'd love to do more of, like, a full-on, like, couple-day retreat type of a thing mm -hmm. with them and, you know, collaborate with other people who are also in that same vein of, like, sure. we can make pretty things, but, like, that's not the goal of our lives. So let's do that while also, right. you know, healing and having fun and playing and yeah. doing all of these other things that are better for our soul than yeah. being Pinterest-worthy. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that um, because, yeah, the Pinterest-worthy stuff, the, the, there is this standard. Yeah. Um, and even if it's not just Pinterest-worthy, but you, I bust out the oil paints every now and again, and I am not good. Yeah. I am bad. But yeah. it is so much fun to just yep. play. Um, and if I can get a cheap canvas and, yeah. you know, I have, I have brushes, so it doesn't cost me a lot. Yeah. And it's just fun. Yeah. So I think that's important to do. Like I said, I don't do it enough anymore, but <laughs> it's, it is fun and it's, um, it is therapeutic. So yeah. I'm glad you're providing that. Yeah. And I think it applies like even outside of just painting, but just life sure. in general, like it's just clothes. If it's funky and weird, who cares right. if you like wearing it or, you know, making food, even if it's not fancy or whatever it is that people have a passion about, but just kind of like letting go of perfectionism and pleasing other people and just kind of tapping into what brings ourselves joy. I think that's the biggest thing that I took out of all of the therapy and like mm. the outpatient stuff and learning how to be a person again. Like right. Letting all of that nonsense that we fill our heads with go in order to be happy and to by proxy be a contributing member of society. Right. Because you're not doing anybody any good if you're holed up, you know, with the blinds closed, not happy because you're comparing yourself to other people on the internet. <laughs> that doesn't help anybody. No, it sure doesn't. So. And that is really <laughs> um, great advice. And I think yeah. a lot of us need to hear that and repeat that over in yeah. our heads. Over One and of my over. favorite quotes ever is Emily McDowell's print. I, I think she came up with it and it just said, um, I will not compare myself to others on the internet. Mm -hmm. The quote I think she made up, but yeah. Yeah. Just, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so simple and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's easy to do, that's why. It's just easy. Yeah, and we're inundated. We're, mm -hmm. It's just, you can't escape it. Yeah. So. No, that's great advice. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but you collaborate a lot um, mm -hmm. on everything from, like, the styled photo shoots that you do um, to, which I didn't know until I was doing research for this, but you have hand-lettered and hand-carved stamps mm -hmm. that you, with another... <laughs> Creative. Yeah, those are brand new. That's fine. The, okay. I was like, wait, this, okay, I'm glad it's not just me. I thought, yeah, with I didn't pigeon. see this before. Yeah. So, um, so what about a collaboration projects like that sort of keeps you inspired? We have a lot to learn from each other, you know, and I never want to feel like I know everything or like I'm the best because there's always something we can learn from other people mm -hmm. and collaborating is where you kind of get to do that. And so... Uh, this photo shoots especially have just become like one of my favorite things because mm -hmm. everybody's contributing what their specialty is and just coming together and nobody's making any money off of it. It's just for passion. There's no, you know, you can kind of let your imagination go wild because there's not a bride who's, you know, right. paying for it, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, you need to make sure that you're also keeping their vision in mind. So it's kind of the relief of just being able to do whatever you want mm -hmm. um and for all the different types of vendors but also for me they've been really important because for so long all of my artwork was a direct response to what people were ordering so okay. um 
all of the artwork I made was just, okay, if you want pink and ribbons and rhinestones, that's what I'm doing. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it basically, I was always kind of alternating my style to fit other people's visions. Oh, okay. Um, and sure, a certain amount of that still happens, but by doing the amount of styled shoots that I've done, it's helped me shape the expectation of what my work is mm -hmm. and also have a voice in what my work will be because basically, yes, clients are still ordering, but clients are seeing this my this work that's unedited, unfiltered, my voice, they're seeing that. So clients who don't want that are not going to come to me. Mm -hmm. So essentially it's kind of tailoring your ideal client mm -hmm. to want the work that you want to do. Yep. So get you're that. getting to mm -hmm. curate essentially a portfolio that's not just client work because with client work, even if it's great work, may or may not fit what you want to be doing. Right. So those that's why those photo shoots have been so important for like really shaping my brand and my aesthetic as a, as a company and as an artist, it, they've been so important because it's unfiltered. Right. You can just go for it and do when you, again, you get do. to kind of play a yeah. little bit and discover probably. And then the people who are finding me are finding me because of the work that they've seen that's unfiltered. That's really me and not the work that's done in response to what other people want. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is, you know, if I get a bunch of clients, and this has happened to me over the years in different ways, I do something that's custom, I put that out there, and then mm -hmm. I get 15 requests for that, even though I hated doing it. Right. Or it wasn't my favorite project. Right. Um, and so it does take some investment of time and resources and stuff, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning when you're just doing a ton of them. Um but it's just a great way to meet people and collaborate, get your name out there. Sure. And really start honing in like who you're going to be or where you want to go sure. with your business and having a little bit more uh, to say yeah. in that. Yeah, no, that's really so. smart. It's really smart. And I like that they're fun and probably yeah. there aren't as many limits yeah. on them, which is always and a fun And budget-wise, because you're generally doing like a table of 10 people, right? you can do things that like, only a really expensive wedding would probably be able right. to handle. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's the same as with fashion. Nobody's really buying the $500,000 feather dress. Sure. It's influencing all of these other things once it gets watered down and it's available at Macy's. Right. Same thing. So, you know, maybe the outlandish thing of the styled shoe. I just had one where there was two camels oh. styled shoe. Like, that's probably not realistic for most wedding budgets. Probably not. Or venues. However, it's inspiration, and that's kind of where the artist part of me still gets to really like hold strong yeah. and influence the everyday part of my business and what we make. So, okay. um, yeah, I like been, it. It's been really fun. And then as far as the other, uh, collaborations with other people, I just, I like working with people. Um, once I've found my people, you know, you sure. have to find the people who are your people mm -hmm. <laughs> and once Absolutely. you find them, hold on tight and do as many things as you can with them. Yeah. That's kind of how I, of life and brown pigeon i met like a year ago and love her and we've just haven't had a way to work together yet and we've tried a couple different ones and the communication barrier between like somebody order something for me and then take it to her and go order it from her right people are kind of just they want it to be as simple and seamless as possible and sure. so now that's why we're like let's just come up with a standard price for something and see if it works and we'll see like yeah. it's brand new we still have a couple more things we wanted to um do together and do monograms and like state stamps and other oh, stuff cool. um, with my illustrations and her stamps being mm -hmm. custom. So we'll see. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm, um, when it's I saw a, that, <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I was really excited. So I'll be sure to link up to that in the show notes yeah. so that people can check that out. Um, okay. So I'm going to transition just, just a little bit because I'm always curious to know why people create in a certain city. And you've talked a lot about community and mm -hmm. everybody listening knows that I enjoy Sacramento. <laughs> so what, what is it about Sacramento that kind of has made you want to build your creative business here? I recently fell in love with Sacramento. Okay. It's been a very recent shift. Because okay. um, I moved up here with my family when I was 13. We moved to Roseville, the oh, okay. Bay Area. So I was kicking and screaming, mm -hmm. like, how are you taking me away from this mecca of culture to Roseville? And so I had that mentality for a long time of just like, and I totally get it now, like why my parents who were driving, you know, two and a half hours to Silicon Valley every day, why they wanted to stop doing that. Yeah. Um, I get it now, but at the time, oh my gosh. And so for a long time, I kind of just was not 
a proud Sacramentian. Mm-hmm. And so recently moving to Midtown has made that shift like huge because there's a lot more kind of culture and diversity and all that in, in the area specifically where we are. Um, and I'm sure I've grown older my <laughs> ideals and, you know, whatever have changed mm-hmm. too. Um, but why, one of the big reasons why I love this city is that it's a great place to basically start a new business, start a new creative endeavor. It's not so inundated and intimidating like bigger cities where there's so many people who are established, who've been doing it forever. Right. Where, you know, breaking out in a city like LA or San Francisco would be a lot harder simply because there's so many people doing it who've been doing it a lot longer. Um, and so kind of for at least my view is Sacramento kind of fosters that beginning stage for artists. I feel really well. Um, and especially now with the internet, we're not restricted to just Sacramento right. for selling our wares. Cause if that were true, I wouldn't be able to do this full time. Um, but I can live in a place that's cost effective and sure. you know, as far as cities go in California, most are so expensive that I would not be able to have a studio in my house type of a situation mm-hmm. for what we pay. Um, and so for it being cost effective place and now with the advent of like how easy it is to sell on the internet, ship off, like all of those things that have made it easier than ever to sell your stuff worldwide mm-hmm. while living in a place that's cost effective for an artist specifically is right. just really a really good match. While still being in California and still being able to have, you know, the arts and culture and foodie and all of that other stuff that, you know, we love about living in urban areas. Right. We get to have all the fun stuff around us. So. Yeah. I love Sacramento now. All right. We have <laughs> yeah. a convert. I like it. Um, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're finding it to be an, an easy-ish place to yeah. kind of, I say ish because starting a business is yeah. never easy, but, yeah. but it, I do feel like, um, it's conducive to flourishing. Yeah. Well, and, um, and you can, I feel like you can kind of, um, mess around a little bit and yes. see what fits for you yeah. and what works for you and what doesn't without it making or breaking you yeah. in a way. Um, maybe that is cost related. I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem yeah. as monumental to start something here so and there's a supportive creative community Mm -hmm. and um it's not so big that nobody knows anybody it's not as small as it used to be where not a lot was happening because I feel like Mm -hmm. there's been a huge shift in like the past what four years Mm -hmm. or something in Sacramento Mm -hmm. um because I have tried in the past um and it was definitely not what it is now as far as like supporting makers and small Mm -hmm. businesses and having there be a community and all of the things that there are now were not available um, a couple years ago. So it's just, it's a fun new town and it's growing and people are excited and it's kind of, people are shaping it. It's not just kind of already established, Mm -hmm. which is exciting. Yeah, and there's still uh, nature and stuff around too, which I really love. So yes, that's true. There's places around that we can like go to all the time. All right. So again, transitioning just a little bit, if you had, one bit of advice, and it, it can be more than one if you'd like, um, for people out there who are maybe looking to start a creative career, what would that advice be? Find your confidence. I think without it, nobody really gives a shit about anything you have to say or sell. Because if you don't have confidence in yourself, like why should they? I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give any makers in any field. Without it, you're also probably undercharging and underselling underselling your services or whatever it is that you do, which cheapens it and also people aren't respecting it because they're not really investing in you. Yeah, I think the root of everything changing in my life, not just my business, has been all about just finding confidence and self-acceptance and just kind of finding that, finding and tapping into it and fiercely holding on to it because it's not like you just, oh, done. Yeah, I <laughs> done. found my confidence, I'm good. Fixed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's con- it's a constant battle because you're always inundated with newer, better, faster, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And so kind of figuring out what it takes to make yourself happy and really protecting it. And, and kind of maintaining and... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's... and... Being okay with, like, your 
happiness, your confidence, your ideal self, life, all that stuff not matching up with everybody else's version of what it should be. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of one of the bigger battles too, is sure. just like people pleasing and making sure that, you know, everybody is on board with whatever makes you happy and that's never going to be true. Right. So let go of that because it will never happen and you'll just waste your life trying. Right. So I think that that's kind of all just been the shift that's allowed me to like build my life how I want to build it and do what I want to do. Yeah. That's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. That's good (laughs) advice. I'll take it. All right. So my very last question is where online can people find out more about your work? Where's the best place to find you? Instagram is where I'm on all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And as far as like all the information, I have a brand new website that I just made. (laughs) And I, yeah. It's been a long time coming, but brand new functioning website with lots of information. Um, so pigmentparchment.com. Okay. And at pigmentandparchment, all spelled out on Instagram. All right. It's the main place. I'm on Facebook, but I'm not really on there that much. Yeah. It's just posting from Instagram. And okay. Pinterest, I've got a love-hate situation going on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not my favorite place in the world. Yeah. So Instagram. Yeah. Well, your work lends itself really well to Instagram yeah. too. So it's a great platform for yeah. you. Well, I love the community there too. So. I know. I Talk know. to people, comment to people. You never know what can happen from a comment on Instagram. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for your time and I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been fun. That was Rosara. If you want to find out more about her work, you can find her at pigmentandparchment.com as well as over on Instagram at pigmentandparchment. And for all of the resources we mentioned today, just head on over to creatingyourownpath.com and search for Rosara's episode. That URL is also where you can find all of my archive shows to tide you over until I start airing new episodes in a few weeks. Don't forget, I will be sharing updates from the road in real time over on Instagram at Jennifer E. Snyder. And you can always follow the hashtag for the road trip, which is CYOP road trip. As always, if you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review, share it on social media or tell a friend. Thanks for listening, you guys, and I'll catch you next time.